Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So the Warriors, they lost at home in the second game of the season to the Denver Nuggets, 128 to 123. But first, first, I want to talk about the throwback classic edition uniforms of the run TMC era that they're wearing. Those were the uniforms that I grew up seeing a lot. Those were some of the best years and the most painful years in those uniforms. I mean, I was actually a fan before, before then, but like these were the run TMC uniforms, but then they were also the Chris Weber Latrell Sprewell uniforms, which was like, you know, it's a little bit of joy, a little bit of pain, but I love those uniforms. You know, I remember thinking back in the day that they weren't the best looking uniforms. They kind of looked like old school Houston Rockets knockoffs, you know, like the the ones where the Rockets just had the word Rockets going across it. Yeah, I, lo- I know that a lot of teams just copied each other, but like I thought that was pretty much what the Warriors were doing when they introed those uniforms. But it was wild to see because all of a sudden all the memories came flooding back just in terms of like when I see that uniform and the number 30, I think of Billy Owens. When I see 23, I think of Mitch Richmond. Uh, when I see number five on Looney, I think of Tim Hardaway, his rookie year before he switched to 10 later on. And then when I see Andrew Wiggins wearing 22, I think of Rod Higgins. You know, it's it's weird. Um, anyway, I, I dig them. Like, it looks, it looks cool. And uh, I'm glad they finally brought them back. I wish they kind of went with the white home uniforms instead of the blue ones for the throwbacks. But I get it. I get it. Like, you know, when they have these, they go uh, more with color, like NBA, the teams, Nike, whatever. They push more the color traditional road uniform look because it's just more, I guess, like defined as opposed to all these white home uniforms from back in the day when the when it was just two types of uniforms. Anyway, that's that's that. I'll probably still have a bunch of these flashbacks during the regular season, so we'll see how it goes. But to the game, you know, in general, it felt just like there was this overall lull to the game, kind of like a letdown game a little bit, right? There was so much weird stuff going on during the preseason with Draymond, uh, (laughs) the punch, all that jazz, and figuring out what to do for ring night and getting hyped up for ring night. And ring night was great against the lowly Lakers. But then this one, it felt like the energy just wasn't really there. I mean, you could see it, the defense was iffy. I mean, they gave up a ton of points uh, in the first quarter by halftime. It was insane how many points the Nuggets had scored. And, you know, not so much that the Warriors were believing their own hype, but this is honestly where the work starts, right? Like I've talked about how good this team can be. And I've talked about how this team will go through its ups and downs and it will be a work in progress. Like, Like the young guys, James Wiseman, he has all the potential in the world. He showed out in preseason and he did well in the first game, but then it's going to be a series of learning how to play day in, day out against different teams, against different looks, against teams that target you for certain things, right? The Denver Nuggets, they have a lot of talent. A lot of people pick them to be number one, the top seed out of the West. I don't think that's unfeasible, Because partly I feel like they're a team that will really, really want to try to prove how good they are during the regular season because they didn't have Michael Porter Jr. last season, because 
they didn't have Jamal Murray last season, right? So it's like kind of a team that needs to build its own confidence, uh, if that makes sense, right? Like whereas a team like the Warriors, they know who they are and they know what their process is to get to where they need to be. The Nuggets have a different process. So I can see the Warriors, you know, not chasing the wins to the point that the Nuggets will be chasing wins. In terms of Wiseman, he played 16 minutes, was four for five from the field. Wiseman also hit all three of his free throws. He showed some good touch. And that's something that you love to see. People talked about how he has bad hands, but his hands have always been really, really soft. And he has good touch. And we saw that he had a nice layup and he had a nice floater. So those are all positives. But I also think it was really good to see him play against legitimately bigger bodies. I mean, Jokic, two-time MVP, that's always going to be a learning experience for someone like Wiseman. And then DeAndre Jordan, I mean, that's just like an old vet who's just big i mean you could even see it he has like really really old man strength i mean he's already really huge but then when you look at deandre jordan he has like such broad shoulders and just so wide wiseman although he's really strong kind of more narrow right <laughs> narrow shoulders so i think those are things that are good for him to see right get those reps again played 39 games his rookie year and then just started playing some pickup games over the summer, played summer league, preseason, whatever. So this is his 41st game of his career. That's half a regular season. <laughs> so congratulations to him because now he's officially played a half season in the NBA. So let's just see how he progresses. There will be teams that attack him. Like they went after him, the pick and roll and Denver has some guys, you know, that can really, really like take advantage of younger players who are just trying to get their footing. Uh, Bones Highland, that guy is that guy's dangerous. Right? Like that guy is really, really going to be a problem, especially come playoff time. So, you know, Denver is really a team that I think I think can cause some problems. I'm still fully confident, of course, in what the Warriors could be when it comes down to it. In terms of the second unit, again, we saw some growing pains, right? Like when they got out there, you could see that there was a lack of, I don't want to say focus, but like a little bit of chemistry issues, some rotation issues, some passing, like, you know, people weren't in the right spot and all that jazz. And again, this is all part of it. It could be, again, that after the hype of the preseason into ring night, that kind of settling into the season and the rhythm of the season is what comes next. The thing that I sometimes worry about is, okay, there's all, it's like one of those things where it's like you have all this adrenaline to get past a certain challenge. And then when you get past it, you have to deal with <laughs> the reality of everything else. Right. And that's something I wonder if some of this Draymond stuff could linger a little bit weirdly. And you know, it's all just conjecture. It could be nothing. I mean, the Warriors play the Kings on Sunday, a Kings team that is actually better than everybody thought they would be. I had them challenging in my predictions for uh, the 10th seed in the West and fighting for the play-in potentially. But, you know, you just want to make sure that the focus is there, the intention is there. When the defense is this bad and they give up 40 points in the first and 70 overall in the first half, then you know, you kind of can say that the focus wasn't really there, uh, the attention to detail and whatnot. 
Kerr knew this. He brought the vets, a bunch of the vets back into the game at the eight minute mark, including Steph. And, you know, for the most part, the vets played decently, right? Like Draymond played 27 minutes, four for six, uh, hit one three-pointer, one out of three, uh, four for four from the line, which is big, nine assists, two steals, two blocks, fouled out, 13 points. You know, solid as he's working his way back in physically and maybe a little bit mentally. Wiggins was awesome, 37 minutes, eight for 17, only two for eight from three, five for seven from the line, uh, eight boards, three assists, three steals, 23 points. I mean, that dude is showing more and more that he is going to be (laughs) really, really consistent this season because he understands, especially after that playoff run, that if his shot isn't falling, that it's the other things that he can do. He had some nice rebounds. He had some nice putbacks. He looked aggressive and uh, very, very intentional with his shot taking. So, you know, the worries of Wiggins kind of fading, you know, like (laughs) I joke around like (laughs) Wiggins turning into a pumpkin again. You know, for now, it seems like that's not going to happen because that effort is there, right? Like the effort and the understanding that it's not just in scoring that he's going to help this team win and affect this team, especially with a bunch of other guys that can score. Uh, Steph, uh, he played 36, 10 for 22, 5 for 11 from 3, 9 for 9 from the line, 5 boards, 4 assists, uh, 34. And then Clay, 24 minutes only, uh, ramping up still. That's more than the 20 minutes he played in the first game. 6 for 14, 4 for 10 from 3, 16 points. He took that last, uh, <laughs> last three-pointer, which... Personally, I thought it was questionable. Like the Warriors, they looked like they were down and out of this game. And, you know, they were down by like seven or something with like uh, 30 seconds left. And then they got it down on that steal when they trapped Bones Highland in the corner. And Poole got the steal and just went straight up for the layup. But then, you know, Jokic found Bruce Brown wide open, cherry picking. Uh, which was uh, an unfortunate mishap, unfortunate kind of play. But they were still down three. And then on the inbounds, Clay took a pretty, pretty deep three and just missed. So I don't know if that was the best shot. I actually, actually do know it wasn't the best shot. It was, there was still time on the clock. So we could have done something else. But, you know, it is what it is. Second game of the season. Listen, wins obviously are important, but the – Big picture of the season is getting better, learning about this stuff. Uh, Hopefully next time Wiseman plays the Nuggets, plays somebody like Jokic or somebody like DeAndre Jordan or has to cover somebody like Bones Highland in the pick and roll. Hopefully he learns from this and he's better. That's all that really, really matters, to be honest. For some of the starters like Clay and Draymond, it's about getting in shape, getting in rhythm. And for the young guys, for the second unit, it's – also about finding that rhythm, that chemistry, because there are so many new combinations and new roles that people are trying to figure out like who they are, where they fit and all that jazz and playing like a team like the Nuggets, who I'm sure the Nuggets really wanted to win this game, especially after losing to the Warriors in the first round of last year's playoffs. But I guess the difference between a veteran bench versus like a bench with a lot of youth and potential star potential in some respects is that a veteran group they know their roles whereas the warriors they're still figuring out the rotations to be honest right like we saw kamenga in the first 
half with Jamichael Green and James Wiseman out there. That went kind of iffy. Uh, and then we saw none of Jonathan Kaminga in the second half. We saw a lot of Moses Moody, who played you know decently, didn't shoot very well, only one for five, one for four from three. So definitely areas for improvement. This season, as I always say, is about, for one, staying healthy, being ready for the playoffs, getting the new guys and the young guys prepared for the big lights. It was true last season, and they did a good job with that. And it's true 100% this season, with Wiseman being a big, big part of that. And then finding that comfort zone, finding the roles where they can fit, right? Like Wiseman, we know, I mean, people are talking highly about him because the bar was set so low, right? He just had to be healthy for one. And then he just has to do like some basic things and there will be ups and downs. And that's true for Kaminga, for Moody. And I've been saying that since before the preseason, but it's about understanding like what they can do right now to help the team. And then also fostering like that ability to, to do more and whatnot. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Obviously, I ride or die with the Golden State Warriors. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Like I said, quick turnaround to the Sunday game against the Sacramento Kings at Chase Center. And that'll be interesting. I think I'm really looking forward to... Wiseman playing against Sabonis, again, a different center with a different look and seeing how the Warriors can better execute and also how this team bounces back from a loss like this, right? It's not like a heartbreaking loss. It's just kind of like a, eh, we didn't play well. We didn't execute kind of loss, like come back and, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and be like, no, nah, it's not good enough. And then usually, usually a good team comes out and punishes <laughs> their next opponent. You know what I mean? But then also one thing I'm looking forward to is it, they didn't seem to be playing with that typical Warriors joy against the Nuggets. Again, I don't know if that is at all related to the Draymond stuff or just a general letdown from ring night or a combination like, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But that's just something to keep an eye on because that's what drives this team, what keeps them going, what drives staff, what drives pool, what drives Draymond, you know? Just something to make note of. This is the first time I felt that, and I will definitely be keeping an eye on if I see that more into the future. Hopefully not, fingers crossed, but like to me, like that's the one thing that could tank the team a little bit, right? The distractions. And, you know, I saw on Twitter people criticizing Doris Burke a lot for, you know, she had this long broadcasting kind of like soliloquy about Draymond and the punch and, you know, how much she didn't like it and, and all this stuff. And I think Twitter was upset with her for bringing it up, but that's her job, you know, uh, from the outset, like that's why, first of all, Draymond, you don't do that. Second of all, that's why I was so happy at first that there was no video because once the video is out, 
it becomes the story. ESPN and Dorsberg have a responsibility to ESPN and their viewers to chase like an interesting story. And uh, this first regular season ESPN game for the Warriors. So of course they're going to talk about it. So you can't get mad at that. You know, her opinion, I'm not even going to talk about what her opinion is, but just the idea that it's out there and it's going to be out there. Right. Like even her broadcast partner, the play by play guy, he kept analyzing everything that was going on between Poole and Draymond towards the end of the game in the second half when Poole was on the ground, Draymond picked him up off the ground. And the play by play guy was like, Draymond picks him up trying to make amends. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. Right. That's just weird. So they're fishing and they have a right to fish. That's that's unfortunate, but that's the way it goes. And that's why when the video gets out, it's going to be out there and it's going to be like something that lingers. So I get it. It's frustrating to hear about as a fan to kind of keep hearing about it, but that's that's the way it is. You know, it's not their fault that they are told they have to talk about this, or even if they just want to talk about it, because someone like Doris Burke, who's a you know relatively uh, known and beloved basketball personality hasn't spoken on it. So this is her time. Hopefully she doesn't harp on it moving forward and people can start moving on, but you know, people need to get their uh, takes in whenever they, whenever they get the opportunity and that's what it was. So it didn't bother me so much. I was just more focused on the game, but I was like, eh, whatever. Anyway, moving on, moving on. That's all I got for now. That is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show, on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time.